0: Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. This is episode number 40, and I just want to welcome everyone to a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture. This is a place where the superfluous is of the utmost importance. This is a place where we want to discuss Nicolas Cage's inability to say no to scripts, Bane's vocal cords, 80s action movie tropes, Val Kilmer's weight fluctuations and how they coincide with the phases of the moon, and no quote is too minor, no side plot is too small, this is a pod for the TV geeks and the movie freaks and us all. So welcome one and all. Oh, that rhymed at the end. And uh, that was my first time giving an expl- explanatory, 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 there's the word, intro. So how to feel? Send me notes, let me know. Cause I was told by a professional podcaster, I know, big deal, that you need to explain in the first 45 seconds what you are delivering uh, so they don't feel like they've wasted their time by the end of the, by the end of the pod. So that's my amouche boosh for uh, the flavor profile of the podcast. You're going to get all the accents and flavors from that. And I think I think it covers pretty well. It's maybe a little too rhymey. I didn't I didn't try to do that. I wasn't like doing a deaf poetry jam kind of thing. But somehow it happened. But uh, before I delve into the topic at hand, I just want to start with five minutes of kind of my Seinfeld-esque kind of daily observations. So at like four in the morning last night, I was re-watching SportsCenter and it's, it's oddly so appealing. I've done it probably 300 out of 365 days every year. There's always this one tragic point when you're watching SportsCenter for the second time that you hear the same line you heard an hour ago, like you hear the same verbiage. And you're like, oh, no, I feel gross about my life choices. And, but I don't stop watching. I just keep watching. And is that just me? Is that, just a, is that a me thing? Or I feel like that's a general the TV's on. And sports are so quick and like the highlights are so fast paced that you kind of forget where you are, where you're at. And it's not, it's weird because it's understandable when it's football season, basketball's on, but there's not even good sports stuff on right now. It's basically if and when sports are going to reopen and then it's NASCAR and golf. So why am I doing it? I don't, I don't know. But uh, if anyone has an explanation for why they do it, so I don't feel as alone in the world, that'd be great. And... What else happened today? I was walking through the neighborhood and I saw all these garages. I have, I'm in a neighborhood with a lot of ranches, like little cute little houses with little attached ranches I and mean, attached garages. And I see all these garages filled to like the brim with, you know, bikes with old strollers, with cars that need work. And it kind of makes me anxious about the disorganization of it all. And it makes me sad about like the accumulation of stuff. Cause it's all just piled up there. And I don't know what it is, but I mean, my garage, I have a broom, a shovel, and a garbage and a recycling bin, and that's it. And I don't want more stuff. I don't want to be obsessive, obsessively attached to things, because that's just a place I don't want to be. And I don't know. I just, maybe it's me being kind of meta Asian philosophy, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, just wanting and needing things that you just shove in your garage until it's overflowing is just, just not, It's not a vibe I want. Although I did just find a use for a little metal penguin butler I have. It's a little six-inch uh, little little penguin that has like a holder for keys, and I use it as my door door stopper for my uh, doggy door. And it brings me a lot of joy every time I pass it because it's just this little six-inch guy, and he's like, oh, "Hello, sir." And know, he's British. He's he's a British penguin, and it, I don't know, just something about it just makes me happy every time I walk by. So, what the hell do I know about? being detached from my possessions when a little metal penguin is bringing me you know a serious amount of joy so apparently not much but I do know movie culture pretty well inside and out and I wanted to throw a ranking of top five greatest performances of one of my favorite actors and he's the tiniest A-lister who does it all he's an action star he's a weirdo and it's Mr. Tom Cruise so first of all I looked it up. It says he's five foot seven and 170 pounds. And if that's true, I'm seven foot eight, 480 pounds. Like, right, give me a break, Tom Cruise. You are five foot four, five foot five at best. You see him uh, standing next to Nicole Kidman. And he looks like her wimpy younger brother, or that she had to take take him take him with, like their mom told him that he had to come with. And I don't know, just just lean into who you are. I mean, we have eyes. I can see it. It's not a big deal if you're short. You're still awesome. And so that's my small rant about tiny Tom Cruise. I love that uh, on Family Guy, when they show Tom Cruise, he's the size of Stewie Griffin, so he's like a foot and a half off the off the ground, but with a giant head. That's, that's more realistic. That's closer to the real Tom Cruise in my book. <laughs> and so second of all, though, this is a judgment of the top five performances for Tom Cruise. It's not the quality of the movie. It's a huge difference. So don't be like, how could you leave this you know, top five movie off. It's not about the movie itself. It's about Cruz and how he acts and how I feel about him in the performance. Plus it's an opinion and it's objective. So screw off. <laughs> so it's like, I can't even be mean uh, for a second. I say screw off and then I just start laughing at myself. It's like, can you take me seriously yelling? Like if I got really mad, would you, be, would you believe it? I can't really remember the last time I yelled. I feel like Jim from The Office when Pam's like, you never yell. Yeah, I don't, when was the last time I got mad i don't know and that's weird because i have to kick people out of the bar too i try to do it out in like the nicest way possible too i'm like come on guys you know i mean yeah yeah you can come back you know tomorrow no big deal i never really you know put the hulk angry face on so maybe one day maybe before i'm 40 that'll be a goal before i'm 40 i have to get full-blown angry from inside out uh like the anger red where the volcano explodes from his head i have to get that kind of mad we'll see So back to Cruise. Uh, He's been in 44 movies. He's got six in production right now, which is crazy. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat that I don't particularly enjoy Tom Cruise post-2008 because he's slowly aging and he just keeps doing these action movies over and over again. And it's like, I remember when he was the it guy of the 80s, you know, the cool up-and-comer in his underwear sliding across the floor, gambling with Dustin Hoffman, Uh, running a prostitution ring out of his house, flying F-18s. I mean, he's the it guy of the 80s, making cocktails and cocktail. (laughs) And in the 90s, he was like this endlessly versatile actor, and he had weird character choices and director picks. I mean, like, if you look at who he worked with, he worked with Stanley Kubrick, he worked with Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Spielberg, Brian De Palma, Aaron Sorkin, Cameron Crowe, Michael Mann, Tony Scott, Martin Scorsese, and Barry Levinson. I mean those are all in the top 20 directors ever. And he decided to work with all of them. Like he never pigeonholed himself to one kind of genre, one group of uh, directors until after 2008, when he's just basically, he's basically Ethan Hunt. He's just a mission impossible action star. What will he do next? You know, the story is, oh, he's 55. How he still doing this action? You know what? Whatever. That's, that's fun. You know, it's a fun click, clickbait story, but it doesn't make for a good movie. Although the new Mission Possible's are still awesome, I'll, I'll give him that. But they're just action, and he used to do everything. He wanted he used to be the most well-rounded of guys, and now he's just a one-note. He's like the Eminem now. He's Eminem can you know rap angrily and fast, and Tom Cruise can be an action star, and that's how what they're going to be known for from 2008 on. It's a little bit of a bummer because he could he could have done everything and anything. He could still be a romantic lead. I feel like. And like I said, he wanted to work with the best. And he never shied away from a challenge. I mean, you look at the movies like Magnolia, he's highly unlikable. He's not just a likable guy. And before I break down each individual performance, I kind of want to talk about the man himself. So first thoughts, I mean, that smile, ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's a little crooked. I think it's a little uneven. But there's just something endlessly kind of joker, smart, but in a charming way, uh, just magnetic, magnetic about him. And he's just got great hair. And he's got that puffed out, kind of unbridled confidence about him. His chest chest is always puffed out 200%. And he's forever like the alpha predator in every role. He never takes a back seat to anyone or anything. You know, he's just, he's a great white shark. He's a grizzly bear. He's a dragon. He's just, he's the ultimate in everything. He never never seems to be second fiddle to anybody. But he can break out the crazy too. He can be vulnerable. He can be crying. He can be manic. And he can also be running, my God, the running he runs in every single one of his movies, and he's a good runner. I wonder what his forty time is. It's probably I want to say four eight, four nine or something like that, but I mean, he's small, he's got these tiny little legs. That just go, but uh, you know, family guy made it fun that I guess they made a joke that every time he's running, he's running away from his gay thoughts because. You know, I mean, there's been rumors because none of his marriages have worked out and his wives are pretty unhappy about how things ended. And he seems weirdly guarded and the Scientology stuff. I mean, he's just a weird guy in general. Who knows the truth behind any of it? But, you know, this is Tom Cruise. So the mystery and the weirdness of him kind of adds to it. And he's just impossibly easy to watch. He's just a fun guy to stare at on a 50-foot screen, you know, when his giant head is up there and his bulging biceps and the intensity and ferocity. I compare him kind of, he's a higher level Nick Cage or Val Kilmer. Like, if they're Pokemon, they're, those two are the, uh, what is it, War Turtle or something? Like the middle one, not Squirtle, but like the middle one, War Turtle. And Tom Cruise is like the Blastoise. He's like the final evolution of this gift of making the unbelievable kind of grounded. He's that rock in the middle of all this chaos. And he's wildly charismatic, he's well-spoken, you know, he, he's really good at just delivering a great line, but he can say a lot without talking either, he can give you a great glance. And just some fun facts about him, I mean, that just, these almost sound made up, they sound like Chuck Norris facts, so this is how cool he is. They based Aladdin's face from Aladdin off him. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you wonder why Aladdin was so appealing? Well, he looks like Tom Cruise, and they designed him to look like that. So if you're a Disney prince, if Disney princes are getting their notes from you, you have made it, sir. You are at the top of the top of the heap. Uh, He saved Ray-Ban sunglasses from going bankrupt. Let me repeat that. He saved Ray-Ban sunglasses from going bankrupt. And because in the movie, Risky Business, the wafer that he wore, the style of glasses went up, I think 150, 200% uh, after the movie. And They seemed like they were going to go out of business before that. And also in Top Gun and in Rain Man, he wore Ray-Bans and there was huge spikes in sales directly uh, contributed to those movies. So the man can save sunglass companies inadvertently. I mean, that is is Chuck Norris level. That is God level. That is Jesus Cruz, you know, kind of vibes. And (laughs) speaking of Jesus, he can hold his breath for six minutes. And you can see it in the mission impossible rogue nation when they do a whole scene where he's underwater and it's all one shot, but six minutes, I mean, hold your breath for 30 seconds. It's difficult. How can you do it for six minutes? I mean, he's just super intense, weird, but it's believable. You're like, of course, if anyone can hold their breath for six minutes, it's David Blaine and Tom Cruise and that's it. Maybe Christopher Walken. Cause I don't feel like Christopher Walken breathes. I feel like he's a vampire who, you know, just doesn't need oxygen. But that's, that's an entirely different reason for not being able to breathe. Who else could hold their breath for a long time just because they look intense? Like they could – Clint Eastwood, I feel like, takes small, short breaths. But uh, who else? Uh, I feel like Scarlett Han- Johansson could hold her breath pretty intensely. She seems pretty badass. But uh, so more facts about Cruise from 92 to 96. He was the first act- actor ever to have five $100 million box offices in America in a row. I mean, he was the cream of the crop. He was the A-list of all A-list. He was above everyone else. There was Mount Rushmore. On top of that, there's Mount Olympus. On top of that, there's my all-time five act, top five actors. And on top of that, there's heaven. And on top of that, there's Tom Cruise, just looking down. I mean, that's, that's how big he was. And he, he just got great acting chops. And he can do all those stunts. You know, I mean, you look in the Mission Impossible, hanging off of planes, bouncing from skyscraper to skyscraper. I mean, I'm just getting fired up thinking about it. So let's 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 go. Let's get into it. I wish I had music. You know what I mean? I got to learn how to edit at some point so I can put like little clips in or little blurbs. The key is though, some people put them in too long. Like you want those, they go a little bit longer to kind of explain the movie. No, you want like a quick two second thing. Or maybe it's because I'm a Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, social media addicted. I just need them quick. I want it firing. I want it moving. That's why I always want kind of, I don't like dead air. So, because I always want to be entertained. I always want to be like someone's in the room talking to you. Does it feel like I'm in the room talking to you? I'm just outside your window right now, just, you know, just scratching to get in. And uh, I'm here with you. It's okay. I'll rub your back if you want. It's not a big deal. Uh, that got weird. So, <laughs> uh, we're, I'm feeling this out and you're feeling this out. So, we're figuring this out together. It's good stuff. You would think by episode 40, I'd have, I'd have more of a grasp on it, but it's just a learning experience. So, honorable mentions. Edge of Tomorrow, great, great. Groundhog's Day meets uh, war movie, kind of a unsure, a little bit loserish. Tom Cruise, kind of fun to see. Uh, cocktail, mostly because I'm a bartender, that's a must. It's a really silly movie, but watching Tom Cruise flip bottles and you know dance on tables and you know just be the coolest guy in the room, always fun. In the eighties, Color Money, you know having him being a pool shark and just basically use that uh, pool cue like a samurai sword, very cool. And my favorite. Uh, honorable mention is Ben Stiller in his Mission Impossible 2 MTV Movie Awards skit, where Ben Stiller is his stunt double, and they're just laughing together, and they look identical, and just Ben Stiller imitating him is just, look it up online. It's six minutes. You will not regret it. It's just super funny. It makes you laugh. And I like a guy who can make fun of himself. So now let's delve into the real picks. And speaking of making fun of yourself, this is probably the one role where. This is the least Tom Cruise of all the Tom Cruise performances. This is Les Grossman in uh, Tropic Thunder. And like I said, it's such a departure from his normal leading man shtick. He wasn't even on, he wasn't even building this movie and no one knew he was in it. It wasn't advertised as that. It was a movie about making a movie about war with Ben Stiller, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black, Matthew McConaughey. And he's kind of like the sixth or seventh lead. He's only in the movie for six minutes and he's bald. He's got a five o'clock shadow. He's got glasses, gold chain, overweight. He's got these huge fake hands. He's sloppy fat, and he's just this perfect stereotype of a Hollywood exec or studio head, and just like an ultimate sleaze ball. He goes from zero, like tranquil calm, to two hundred miles screaming through the phone, where it sounds like if you're talking to him on the phone, it sounds like he would rip your tongue out, you know, if he could. And he's just spitting all over the place, just hugely profane. If this wasn't a PG podcast, I'd say some of the stuff, but but my mom listens to this, so <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop any F-bombs, but he probably drops 20, 30 in a six-minute period. He's spitting everywhere. He just seems like Satan incarnate. He's kind of got that Al Pacino in uh Devil's Advocate kind of vibe to him, where it's like he can make the master of the universe, he can bend the world to him. And I've never seen the side of him. I mean he's like listening to Little John, and he's kind of doing like these. Creepy little dad dances that he would do if he had a couple of drinks at a bar mitzvah that he paid for. That was like $5 million for some nephew or niece that he barely knows their name. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too insider baseball. That's how I feel uh, Les Grossman is, though. And like I said, he wasn't even advertising the movie. So it was just a crazy surprise and a fun treat. And I mean, to be on screen for six minutes and control and what I remember about a movie, that was actually a pretty good movie, too. That's pretty phenomenal. So that's my number five. And for number four, I have the need, the need for speed. Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell from Top Gun. It's funny, I didn't even know his name was Pete Mitchell. I just know it's Maverick. You know him as Maverick, and this is the most Cruise esque uh, performance of all Cruise. This is highly concentrated, hundred percent pure from the vine. Tom Cruise. He's arrogant. He's an Air Force pilot. He's a rebel. He's driving motorcycles. He's got a leather jacket. He's serenading uh, women in a karaoke bar, just doing bad off-key karaoke, but he doesn't care. He's playing oiled-up volleyball with Val Kilmer while uh, Kenny Loggins is playing. And, like, they're wearing jeans and Ray-Bans, and they're just flexing in the sun. I mean, that's just just the ultimate cruise. And I think this is the biggest culture hit he had. He just kind of changed culture. And... Like uh when he's talking about the story about how he inverted the plane above someone else's plane and none of the other pilots are believing him, but he's like leaning back in his chair and he's explaining with his hands real slowly, just that cockiness. It just feels like he's not even playing a character. This is just Tom Cruise. They're like, hey, just go be yourself. Like, Don't even read the script. Just make something up. this is, What'd you do last night? Because I mean, I feel like Tom Cruise probably flew these planes or knows how to fly the planes now. I think in the new uh Top Gun that's coming out, I mean, he's definitely flying the planes. And he just seems godlike in this movie. Like this, the flying scenes were revolutionary. So it's kind of crazy. This movie only cost $35 million to make, quote unquote. But it's because the Air Force foot fit, fit the bill for all the uh, fighter pilot stuff. So the movie should have cost like $500, dollars million. But it's because they wanted to influence people to join the Air Force. There was actually Air Force recruiting uh, stands outside of the theaters. And I think Air Force enrollment after this movie went up 400 or 500%. It makes sense. In 1986, if I saw this movie and I saw Tom Cruise blowing up Russians and inverting himself with in a plane over uh, the enemy, and I don't know, it just makes me want to be a pilot. He just he was everybody's hero. And this movie just kind of resonates in culture more than anybody else in, it, in, it, in any other role. So that's why he's number four. And then number three, I got everybody runs, especially Tom Cruise. I'm going with Chief Ant John Anderton in Minority Report. Now this is a Spielberg movie. It's just it's probably the most well-rounded Tom Cruise. First of all, tons of running. He got he's on the run because he's been pre-accused of murder, and they're trying to catch him because he's usually the guy catching the people who in pre-crime. But now he knows that he was he's going to murder someone, so he's on the run and tons of running. Like I said, there's probably an hour alone in this movie of just Tom Cruise, just cruising. And he's got just good, good form. He's, his knees are nice and high. He's got good breathing ratio. His, I mean, his arms are just nice and tight. He, I I think he does the open hand kind of run, not the fist balling, which on screen just looks better. So I enjoy that. You know, he's got a drug habit of this new kind of this new unexplained drug in the future kind of thing. And he's an overall good guy who had a rough past. His son got kidnapped and he hasn't been able to find his son for, I don't know, 10 years. And now he needs to clear his name. And also you get detective Cruz. I don't think you see like cop crews. I don't think Tom Cruise has ever been a cop in anything else. So like when he's solving the pre-cr- pre-crime in the beginning, when he's playing opera and using his fingers to kind of whirl through the uh, the memories that he has to figure out where the crime happened, you get frantic crews, you know, like running, fighting, uh, he knows all the other all the other uh, cops, so he kind of has this uh, back and forth with them while they're trying to catch him. It's kind of like this "catch me if you can" kind of vibe. And yet, older Cruz fighting against the young Buck, which I like. Colin Farrell. This is one of his first movies, and I like when Cruz is like, "This is my crown." I think he actually thinks when he sees someone younger on the other side, he's like, "You're not taking my spot, bro." And if you want to go, we'll go. So I think it's like real fighting. I think he actually thinks that it's uh, fight for supremacy. And moves dark and futuristic and fun and endlessly entertaining. And he's in 90% of the scenes. You know, that's a harder role when you're the star, like your face plastered all over it. And you also get In Pain Cruise, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Because when he gets a surgery for his new eyes, so they don't get scanned. And he has to just, uh, he has to hide from these metallic robot spiders. I just hate saying that out loud. Robotic metallic spiders. Yeah, no, thank you. Or he like makes his face all slack so he can get it past the security. And he's haunted by his kid's abduction. Just a fun overall role. It's just satisfying. It's two plus hours of Cruise and Spielberg. And one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. That's probably my top 50, I guess. And then I'm going number two. So I'm going Ethan Hunt in only Mission Impossible 1. Okay? None of the other Mission Impossible. Screw him. Okay? Two is a John Woo exercise and is barely comprehensible. Three makes no sense and Philip Seymour Hoffman's the fun part. I don't even remember what happened in four. Five and six are kind of combined as these giant action shot kind of things. I just remember Henry Cavill in uh, the sixth one loading up his hands to punch. And I've watched that meme like a thousand times, which is fun. This was the only real full movie that wasn't just an action vehicle. So after this, it just gets bigger and bigger spectacle. And I blame the Mission Impossible movies for influencing Tom Cruise and not giving us 80s and 90s Tom Cruise anymore and he just does the one trick anymore so two through six screw you. you you ruined Tom Cruise for me you know you made him you made him one trick and he had a bunch of tricks he had he was a Swiss army knife and now now he's just a uh, I don't know he's just a gun you know I mean he's got one thing just you, you pull the trigger he fires that's it so that that's a good that's a good uh, metaphor that pleases me but this is a great god, goddamn movie okay uh, it's Brian de Palma who directed it. Who directed Scarface, Carrie, The Untouchables. And sadly, this is his last great movie. And De Palma has this weird psychosexual twinge to his movies that sets it apart. And this is prime, overly intense, over-the-top Cruise. And it works because he can do that. He can he can overact, you know, for 90% of the movie, and I won't be upset about it. Some some actors are just like, okay, this is corny, I'm laughing. But with Cruz, they're just such a laser-like focus to him, and he's trying so hard, he brings you along with it. Like when he's on the phone with uh, one of the FBI agents, Kittredge, after his team is dead, he goes, they're dead. My team is dead. And he's like, they knew we were coming, man. And the disc is gone. And it's disheveled, loud, confused Tom Cruise. And I just love, I love when he puts his cards on the table and gets silly with it. And it's the best on-screen female chemistry he's ever had with uh, Max, who's played by Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, she's like 20 years older than him. But it's weird. Tom Cruise really doesn't have very good on-screen chemistry with females. And for some reason, this is the best one. I mean, if you watch it over and over again, she's kind of, she's looking at Tom Cruise like he's a steak. And he's just kind of smiling and accepting it. And there's a fun kind of crafty, like a a cat cat and mouse kind of vibe to it. I just love it. And you also get tri- tricky, kind of crafty, wormy Tom Cruise. Like when he does, the, he does this magic trick scene with Jean Reno, where he's like, oh, where's the disc? Did I have it or did you have it? Where'd it go? And it's gone. And he's just being kind of a dick. He's kind of being like the guy in high school who would make fun of you, but you secretly admired him because he just seemed too cool. Like if you watch Community, it's kind of like, uh, it's like it Jake or Jeff? No, it's like Jeff. Whoever uh, Joe McHale's character is, it's like the coolest guy. The guy's too cool for school. That guy who you secretly want to hate but you really like. Think Ryan Reynolds and Van Wilder. I'm trying to think who else. Like Don Draper and Mad Men. It's like I don't want to like you because of your arrogance, but you got me. You got me going. I'm along for the ride. And also, you get ultra serious Tom Cruise. Like no one can else can pull off almost falling from a CIA CIA safe room uh, where he's one inch from the ground and he just kind of floating there on a touch sensitive floor and he's holding on for dear life no one else can pull that off or the sweat dripping from his glasses and he has to catch the sweat before it hits the ground i mean there's one guy on the earth that can pull that off and his name is thomas Jeanette cruz that's his that's his middle name actually Jeanette. i looked it up isn't that crazy well i mean it's not it's not his real name that's middle name i wonder what, a, what his real man, middle name is i don't know but I, I know he changed his name, actually. He's from Oklahoma. And I think his, I mean, that, Tom Cruise is, is a great name. I don't think that's his actual name. It's a stage name. I'll look it up sometime. But like I said, uh, it's Ethan Hawk. He's a spy. He's charming. He's a social engineer. He's scheming. It's just, and it's also, like I said, this crazy situation. You know, some knock list uh, gets lost in the open. And I don't even know what the knock list is. I mean, there's always some kind of inconceivable doomsday device in all these Mission Impossible movies and you don't really know what's going on. And he kind of normalizes it. He centers it. He makes you feel like, okay, this is how this is how the world works and this is actually, I'm gonna buy this for this movie. And he's great friends with Thing Rames, probably the best on-screen buddy uh he's ever had. I can just feel the friendship. And there's a reason why he's been in all six movies or seven movies now, is it? And that they're just they seem like cool friends. And number one, I got Vincent from Collateral. You know the guy who says millions of galaxies. I mean, millions of galaxies of hundreds of millions of stars, and a speck on one in a blink. That's us, lost in space. The cop, you, me, who notices? Just this kind of Asian philosophy, uh, mercenary killer going through L.A. with a cabbie, Jamie Foxx, and just murdering people and just being. I mean, this is this is Michael Mann directed, and it's him doing his do what he does best. It's just realistic action. Cool customer, you know, movies like Heat, Miami Vice, I mean, the movie and the show. And it's this is a fun fact, though. This is Tom Cruise's really only heel turn. It's the only villain performance he does. And he just leans into it. And he's he tries as human, hard as humanly possible to be a remorseless contract killer. And I just love that. He's just, I mean, he when he goes for it, he goes for it, he just does it. And He's using a cabbie named Max, and that might be a slight reason why I love this movie, because you get to hear Tom Cruise say my name 10 to 15 times on a giant movie screen. That's a crazy ego boost. and I never knew I needed it. And once in a while, I'll just look up scenes where he says Max. I'm like, hmm, yeah, Tom Cruise says my name. Well, he's wearing a... up. Oh, the dogs are getting excited about Tom Cruise, too. Oh, yeah, they like Tom Cruise. I wonder if Tom Cruise is a dog guy or a cat guy. I feel like, I want him to be a dog guy, like a big dog guy, but I feel like he's a cat guy. He's like aloof and like, like kind of the silent killer of it all. But uh, like I said, in this movie, he's wearing that shark skin colored gray, gray suit and these starched white shirts. And it's almost identical to De Niro's Neil Macaulay and Heat. So, I mean, clearly Michael Mann has a look for his, for his killers and his robbers. And this is the only time I think on screen that he's had gray hair. He's got the best salt and pepper hair ever. My God, if I ever end up being a silver fox, I mean whatever hair I have left, I want it to be like Tom Cruise in this movie. It is just, I don't know, it's like a it's like a helmet. It's just great looking. He just looks regal, and you can tell he's like anywhere from 35 to 50, and he's probably gonna look that way the rest of his life, as uh Vincent. And he's the ultimate killing machine, and he always like every time he kills someone, he shoots them two times in the chest. Really good uh What's it called? Really good groupings. Like they're really close to each other. And then one to the head for the kill shot. He's a good quick draw. I mean, it looks like he practiced for, I don't know, a year, two years. I mean, something tells me Tom Cruise is a dead shot. And he's got this ferocity of his hand-to-hand comeback. There's one scene where he breaks this dude's leg. And he's not even looking. He kind of just sets his foot back as he's, as he's staring off at, to a boss to intimidate him. And he just grits his teeth like a hungry wolf. And it's just, I mean, that... that Ferocity is just, just so Cruz. And apparently, I guess he trained for six months for this role. And he would stop crew members on the set and silently put yellow sticky notes on their back, and that would be a kill. And he'd like follow them home. Can you imagine just going home, you're getting Chinese food. You know, you want to see your wife it was a 12-hour day on set, and a gray-haired, gray-suited Tom Cruise sticks a yellow post-it note on your back and just starts laughing and that kind of manic laugh. He's like, "I got you, man." That would, be, that would be a story. I want to hear that story. Where, where are those stories on YouTube? I want to see them. Dialogue's great, too. He's charming. I mean, he's spewing Asian philosophy. He's talking about I Ching and, you know, Darwinism and adapting. And he's kind of a, he's a weird kind of moral center to Max. He's explained Who's the cabbie? He's ex, who's played by Jimmy Fox, by the way. Great role for him. And he's explained to Max how he wasted his life. And his dreams are attainable, but he kind of blew it. And he says things like, you know, you sit in your barca lounger and zone out, as, zone out to daytime television. And you're like, oh, man, Tom Cruise is trying to influence me to get off my butt. And it's a great Streets of L.A. movie, great storyteller. Tom Cruise tells, like, really good stories about Miles Davis in a jazz club. He's endlessly iconically cool. There's no, name, no last name needed. You know, it's Madonna, LeBron, uh, Tyson. You know what I mean? It's just one name. That's all you need. And no backstory, which makes him cooler too. You have no clue where he comes from or why. He's just fully formed this way. And it's basically watching Cruz is like, like I said, a great white shark just effortlessly chopping his way through LA. And that's why it's the greatest role of the greatest movie actor of my time period. And it, this is really fun kind of talking about Cruz. I thought this was going to be a quick exercise. You know, I was like, oh, I'll just turn this out and Five, 10 minutes of thinking. And it's been like an hour, hour and a half looking at Tom Cruise clips online and just gotten kind of a Tom Cruise Reddit hole. And he's just someone you want to talk about and discuss. And it's, there's curiosities to his career, there's failures, there's different levels of acting. And he just he wasn't afraid to take risks. And I don't know, just amazing that he kind of controlled Hollywood for, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years, something like that. And there's a reason why. Because, I mean, I I could watch... I think I could... After this, I could go watch Tom Cruise clips for another hour and a half. Maybe I'm going to do that. Or, no, nah, I'm probably going to watch Community. I'm on season two. I've been ripping through that. And that's just a delight. It's, you know, it's Rick and, it's Diet Coke, Rick and Morty. It's just endlessly entertaining. Or there's this really douchey Zach Efron show about saving the planet, about uh, what's it called? Energy conservation and food and stuff. And it's him being, you know, a beautiful, well, uh, what's it called? A beautiful, just in-shape dude who's just taking an interest in the planet. And you can't, you shouldn't hate that. But the 90s, Daria, my so-called life in me, just wants to hate that. It's like, oh, you care. It's gross. And it's just, you're being, you know, you're being overly showy with it. And just, who cares? But I mean, we should save the planet. And you know, if Zac Efron's gonna do it, whatever. that's That's cool. Props to him. I need to get rid of my 90s negativity and go with the... 2000s you know you can do it and caring is cool because caring is cool i think i mean i'll I'll try to get that into my brain at some point (laughs) anyways tom cruise awesome bye